Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, well, I kind of was seeing Tristan before Chloe, before Chloe or any of them even knew he existed. I was seeing him. I had him come to L.A. I brought him to uh, a party Kim had. I introduced him to all of them. And then a week later, maybe 10 days later, he started seeing Chloe, which is fine. I don't care. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing? Oh, I just feel like a load has been lifted off of me. You know, we don't have a president. <laughs> it seems very clear. We just don't have one. Have we had one for the past four years? I don't really think so. But now he's just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to golf and I'm going to tweet. and I'm going to golf and tweet. And y'all are just on your own. And I'm just going to, I forgot about this. COVID numbers are skyrocketing and he's just leaving us all to die. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I take the loads back on the loads back on. Okay. Let me move on before I just completely fucking spiral. Should we update about Carl Lentz? I think we should. So like I told you, this man is a Christian thought. It's written all over his face, all over his abs, all over his body. And I, you know, no surprise here. So an article came out on the New York Post, um, an interview by, of a lady by the name of Rannin, R-A-N-I-N, no last name. Um, why here's what confuses me about people who want to be like anonymous there are several pictures that she provided <laughs> to the 
article. So, you know, she appears to be a millennial or something along those lines. So why, why? I just feel like if you're going to be anonymous and be anonymous, why it's going to take people about five minutes to have this lady's full name address. She's already admitted where she lives, all of those things. But anyway, I don't want to yuck your young lady. Seems like it's been yucked enough. So she tells her story and is basically, here's what happened. She said, I'm here to tell the truth. The NYC-based fashion designer, she's 34, okay. And maybe by doing that, other people have the courage to speak up too. So she's from Palestine. She said she met Carl in May at Domino Park, which is in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. She was with her dog looking for somewhere to sit and Carl offered a circle. So for y'all that don't know, in Domino Park, they have these things called circles because of social distancing. They like mark off, you know, places where people can be efficiently separated from each other, but also enjoy the outdoors. So he offered a circle. They started talking. They left the park together. She said, I was telling him everything. I thought he's single. He's a single, good looking man. Why not? Exactly. Exactly. Rainan. you guys, I keep telling you, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am, I have a doctorate in single men in New York, particularly, you know, I specialize in the, um, you know, below 14th street and North Brooklyn regions. I know these men like the back of my hand. I can spot a fuck boy a mile away, you guys. And if you saw a, I'm assuming shirtless dude in those serial killer eighties glasses offering you his circle, you know, probably oiling his body you think that man is single? He, if he's single, he's unwell. And if he's not single, he's even more unwell. So she says they parted ways, but he took her number. Wait for it, you guys. He took her number down in the notes part, in the notes app of his phone. Not in the context, in the notes. And she noticed that. Girl. Okay, okay, okay. She said, that for me was a red flag. Yeah, you think? <laughs> you think? So the next day, he asked her to save him a circle in the park. She said, when I saw him, he asked me so many questions. Um, she asked if he was married. And he said, yes. She said, I still didn't know who he was. After he left, she paid an app to do a background check based on his phone number. Everything came out. She said, it hit me so hard. This is encounter two she i just feel like if you ask a guy if he's married if you ask somebody if they're married and they say yes clearly you're interested in them if you're gonna pay to get a background check right like this to me is like the point of no return where it's like i'm gonna figure out everything about this dude and i'm still gonna go for it you know i do not care Then she says she realized that she had met him almost a decade prior when following her divorce, a friend of hers had taken her to Hillsong Church in Manhattan. 
I wasn't really paying attention, but I saw a glimpse of him. She's Muslim, but, quote, very open to whatever and would attend church with her ex-husband's family while they were married. I was like, damn, this is the guy from the church I saw seven years ago. On Sunday that same weekend, he came to her house, she claimed, and they drank tequila and talked for hours. We were sitting and he asked if, I, if he could put his hand on my thigh. <laughs> it was awkward. He didn't know how to act at first. He was timid, acting like he was a virgin. <laughs> he allegedly told her the most beautiful women come from the Middle East. This dude has no game. I'm going to come over on a Sunday afternoon, bring you probably a warm bottle of tequila, ask to touch your thigh, and then basically fetishize you based on your race. And you still decided to let that man inside of you. So let's think about that. They began texting and FaceTiming constantly, she claimed, deluging each other with videos and digital communication. We started to develop feelings for each other, she said, claiming they were seeing each other roughly every other week, always at her home, never at his. They drink tequila, so much tequila, she said, talk, although not about Christianity, and argue constantly. I'd leave him on red all the time because he pisses me off. <laughs> He kept saying that we didn't plan this, this is life, and we fell into it. They repeatedly ended things. I kept walking away, she said, but he never knew how to say bye. She said he called her his Middle Eastern unicorn woman and told her she reminded him of his friends, the Kardashians, which bothered her. I don't like when people drop names, she said, noting that she used to work bottle service in Manhattan and has celebrity friends, too. <laughs> These people are made for each other, you know? completely made for each other she goes on to say that he's a professional narcissist and he lies too much okay but you knew that you knew that when you saw him shirtless in a circle by himself not with his family in fucking williamsburg you knew that you knew that when you told when he told you he was married and you let him come over you knew that when he told you that middle eastern are the most beautiful women in the world like, you knew that when you would constantly leave him on red. You knew that when you, every time you broke up with him over the course of the five months y'all were together. Like, she's trying to make herself a sympathetic character in this story, but I, girl. <laughs> okay. Then she says in September of this year, they began seeing each other more often, twice a week. We were obsessed with each other. He was like a drug to me. I was a drug to him. Then over the course of one weekend, his wife and then his job saw their texts. All his messages are linked from the iCloud, she said, and somebody from Hillsong saw them on his computer. He's not really a good cheater. <laughs> Even after he was fired, they continue speaking up until a final exchange is past Thursday following his Instagram post. My life is over, alleged, he said, allegedly. I usually am the one who's helping couples who are cheating, and now I'm in their shoes. Okay. <laughs> then the article goes on to say, in retrospect, Brandon said that their relationship was likely a product of the pandemic. He hadn't been doing anything for so many months. He hadn't been on stage. What else was going on in his life? I don't know, his wife and 14 kids that he's got? He needed to do something that would excite him. She also suggested that he might be having a midlife crisis and going on a, quote, self-sabotaging journey by way of getting into a, quote, fiery relationship and spending so much of his time in a, quote, 
stagnant relationship and a strict place. <sighs> While they both make, made mistakes, she acknowledged, people like him shouldn't preach or drink so much. <laughs> there is no deepness there, she said of Hillsong, which reportedly has more than 150,000 members. It seems like it's a cult. Now she's basically saying, you know, she's fancying herself a pioneer and hoping that her story will lead other women to come out and share their stories of hooking up with this guy. What I want to know, I want to know about the D. She didn't say anything about sex. She didn't say anything about... You know, like, why didn't, if if you're going to say it, mention it all, mention it all, right? I wanted to know what it's like, if that was, was she dignitized? Was it an intellectual thing? Because in this article, it seems like more of an intellectual aspect. Mm, I'm just very curious. It's also worth mentioning that Carl's wife Laura was also fired because of Carl she also worked at Hillsong basically I guess if a married couple works at the church one of them gets fired they both get fired immediately and that fucking sucks so now neither of these people have jobs neither of these people have any source of income like I hope that they squirreled away their money. They probably did not. Ooh, this is a mess. Hot, hot mess. All right, next thing, I want to get into the Kardashian corner for a bit, if we will. I want to talk about this Larsa interview that she did um, with the Hollywood Raw podcast. So I know that the big headline was that she announced that she had been dating Tristan or seeing Tristan or talking to Tristan, however you want to word that prior to Chloe, that basically she met him first. She hit it first, if you will. And she brought him to LA, brought him to a party that Kim was hosting. And then she finds out like a week and a half later, pictures drop of Chloe and Tristan together. She's claiming, you know, like, I don't, want you if you don't want me like I don't really care it's not that deep for me but I was seeing him first nobody knew him prior to him coming to that Kim party yada 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 a lot of you know talk about that a lot of talk of like you know it's icky and I think the interesting part of that to me is that like we have this narrative of like Chloe being sort of the victim of all these men that she's with, particularly in Tristan. I'll just keep it to Tristan, right? Chloe being the victim, but there's also this like underlying history of Chloe seeing men very quickly <laughs> after these friends that she has are with them. We can talk about rapper Trina dating French Montana and how Trina is the kind of woman who is like friends with everybody in the industry. She really doesn't have that many enemies. She's really well liked, has a really great reputation. So for her to like be 
so pissed <laughs> about this situation leads me to believe like she's got a great track record to where it's like if she's talking about how she was wronged and she's willing to speak about that publicly which she has multiple occasions I think she may have even uh written a song about it I believe her the story is she was seeing friends she was living in New Jersey they were living together and then kind of like Larsa all of a sudden she sees pictures of French and Chloe together and is like, what the hell? I thought you were my man. French is his own story. Like he was also married. I think he might still technically be legally married. I don't know. He's got this whole life to his own, but then we can talk about, you know, how, what's the timeline here with Larsa? Because we were under the impression that Jordan Craig, Tristan's, uh, first baby mama also thought that she was seeing Tristan at this time when it came out with Chloe, when everything was public with Chloe. So, you know, it, Chloe, I think you got some explaining to do here. I think you have some explaining to do. And if you guys were, if he and Larsa were just talking and it wasn't like that serious and that's it, fine, but it's still kind of like, ugh, you know, it really speaks to definitely to Tristan's character. It feels like Tristan is somebody who is both uh, somebody who wants to come up and somebody who wants to, he's a self-sabotager for sure. And so uh, Jordan Woods tweeted, make that make sense after this article came out or this interview came out and with the like question face emoji. What I'm thinking she's meaning is like, oh, (laughs) Larsa didn't make all this big to do about her being with Tristan prior to Chloe, but yet I'm the one who got all the hell for it. Fair. Very fair point. What's the difference between Larsa, who was was a close friend of the family, and Jordan, who was Kylie's friend? No difference to me. Also, I need to know what was the story with Larsa at this time. I know she's been divorced at this point a couple of years, but was she back? Because, you know, those rumors came out about Larsa dating Future or hooking up with Future. And then she and Scotty back got back together and then they decided to divorce again. So it seems like there's like a murky timeline between all of these people. <laughs> uh, Larsa, Chloe, and Tristan, and them all being with other people during this time of them all hooking up with one another. So, okay. Yes, that was the biggest headline, but I watched a lot of the interview and I thought that they were interesting things that here's the funny thing about Larsa. Larsa has COVID now, by the way. (laughs) Sorry, Larsa. Um, she thinks that she told that I don't think got as much, uh, news about it. Things that she said about Kanye and more specifically, about Kim and Kanye's relationship. So they start off by asking her, like, you know, we know that you guys were, you and Kim were great friends. And then, you know, people on the internet noticed that y'all weren't following each other. Basically, the whole family had unfollowed you and you unfollowed them. So what was the story behind that? She starts off by saying, the more she talks, the more she reveals. (laughs) And this is why I love people like this. The people that are not 
how do I say this? People that are not necessarily, like, they're in the public eye. She was a real housewife of, of Miami. She, by the way, also said that Beverly Hills, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, reached out to her to have her on the show, but she would rather do a show all about herself. Anyway, she is in the public eye enough to keep it cute, but the more she talks, the more she reveals, and I thought that was the most interesting part by far. So... She started off by saying like, oh, you know, I don't really know why she unfollowed me. And they asked her, did you, have you tried to reach out to Kim and figure out what's going on? She's like, oh, you know, like a little bit, but you know, I'm just kind of person like, I want you to be great. And I want your relationship to be great. And what she essentially said was, this is all Kanye's doing. And the more she talked, the more upset she clearly is about Kanye. And the more she talked, it seems we're getting, I, what I took from it is that Kanye is basically running the whole family and that if you're not friends, then we're all not friends. If this is my enemy, then this is all of y'all's enemy. Another interesting thing that Larsa said is she kind of gave some insight into Kim and Kanye's marriage, basically saying I want y'all's relationship to be great. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be the one who gets in the way of that. I don't think that I'm the issue, but I'm happy to take myself out of the equation. You guys are having some kind of issues where you think X, Y, and Z are factors into why you guys have a bad relationship. I'm happy to take myself out of it and you just see how your relationship goes with, I'm out of, with me being out of it. Is it going to be better? Or is it still going to be bad? Basically. Pretty much saying their relationship sucks. Not doing well. (laughs) And that they're blaming everybody but themselves. Kanye told Kim to stop talking to her. He would call that he would call Larsa at all hours in the morning, four or five, six o'clock in the morning. She would be the only one to take his calls and listen to him rant and rave and go on his tangents. Until the one point she just couldn't take it anymore and blocked his number. And at that point, he got pissed, turned on her, and turned the whole family against her. To the point where she was at a club, Travis Scott was there. And then the next thing she knows, Travis is telling Kylie that Larsa tried to hit on him at the club. And she's like, I would never do that. Never, never, never. He's got a song called Highest in the Room, and he must have been the highest in the room at that point if he thought that I was gonna hit I was hitting on him. I fully believe this. Two reasons. One who Travis Scott, I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's be real here. Let's be real. I understand that he is like a very popular rapper, but that's it. That's it. I think he's do you guys remember watch did you guys watch that documentary his documentary on Netflix when and they have like all this like never before seen footage of Kylie giving birth to Stormy she Stormy does isn't even completely cleaned off by the nurses before Travis almost lights a blunt in the hospital room and then it clicks to him Maybe I shouldn't light a blunt in her hospital room 
with my newborn baby in it. So then he has to go back out to the, the Cedar sinai parking lot and smokes a blunt in his car. The man almost lights the blunt in the hospital room. <laughs> I'm very pro-marijuana. Smoke as much as you want, but limits, you guys. In a hospital room? With your minutes, old baby? Girl. Anyway... He, I don't, I, I don't think for a second that Larsa would try to hit on this guy. Doubly, I think that Kylie is probably like, they always say Kim is like the one that you don't fuck with, that she gets her receipts. She knows what everybody's up to. She knows everything. She will spy on you. I think Kylie is, they're birds of a feather. And Kylie would be the second one that you don't want to fuck with. Because I think Kylie, low-key, will, like, cut your ass. <laughs> and that's just my estimate. I mean, she's a Leo. She's a Leo. For a reason. What else did they say? Um, yeah, just basically that the whole family turned against her. And she doesn't really think that she's a problem. She thinks it's really Kanye. And I thought that that was probably the most insightful part of it. Like really getting into the root of the family dynamics. That's what I always want to know. That's what I always want to know. All right. I'm going to cut this short because there's like an hour and a half, I think of content after this. So what am I talking about next? You're going to hear a recap of love after lockup. And following that, I had a great conversation with Christine Bianca Villa about the bachelor, the bachelor universe, Bachelor Nation and the latest episode and the weird ass interview with Dale and Claire that happened in the middle about Tasia. I, I got all the scoop and it was a lot of fun. So check that out. You guys have a great week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. She's the mother of my kids, but it, they don't like one another. So, but it, it's really important to me that they get along just for my kids sake. All right. Get to the point. So me and Destiny are together. We're engaged. We're going to get married. So it's just going to have to stop, you know, as far as, you know, talking all the time, every day on the phone. And Yeah, you never had a problem with that before with your other girlfriends, now did you? I was wrong. I, I was no, just, I didn't see not. how it was disrespectful to them. So, okay, so and, just and get and to I'm the just... point and let go, because I'm not going right. to deal with this. So, tell her what the you have to tell her and let's leave. So that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to not talk to you and just kind of well, go then. from there. As far as that goes and stuff, then you won't be talking to your kids because I'm flat out not having uh, her I'm, around I'm my kids, and that's choosing her over your own kids. Like I said, we're just gonna, I'm with her, we're gonna get married, and that's. Hey y'all, let's talk about Love After Lockup. Oh, it's the season finale! season finale and it looks like we're going to be getting a few couples over to life after lockup which starts next week uh looks like we're gonna get scott and Lindsay, quaylon and chevelle destiny and sean i think that's it are you guys looking forward to life after lockup do you guys like me talking about love after lockup i think i might like life after lockup better because king and queen of my heart andrea the Black Mormon and Lamar are back. And if we know anything, Andrea delivers with 
her specific and incredible brand of wow and yikes. And I'm looking forward to it. But let's talk about the finale. Wasn't terribly exciting. Just wrapping up some stories. So let's start with John and Christiana. Basically, it's time for Christiana to turn herself in. And, you know, she went on a crack binge and left the halfway house. And now she's got to pay the piper. So here's what we're going to do. So John, Christiana, and her sister all drive back to Dubuque take her back to jail. And John is talking about how like, this is why I say like, he's addicted to drama. And he's addicted to these like, overly dramatic moments. So I'm just gonna issue a disclaimer, you guys. Uh, Just to be very, very clear, I do not think it does anyone any good to continuously go to jail for their addiction. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't help. It's just like a shitty system and a cycle of like, you know, like when is this really ever going to help Christiana? It's not because there's no rehab. There's no therapy that she's getting. There's no like therapeutic treatments. It's all really bullshit. I'm purely laughing at John and his over the top dramatic. So he's talking about like, how he has to be the strong man in the situation and how he has to take care of his family and how good of a job he's doing by not showing how upset he is. Because, you know, if I show up how upset I am, then everybody's just going to be so upset. And so like, they don't know how I'm feeling inside because I'm so strong. It's like, bro, you're like five foot three. And I know that that doesn't really matter, but it does, you know? It doesn't, but it does. <laughs> it's just hard to take a man who's five foot three and in who like in, basically lives in like a suede fringe jacket and like relaxed fit Wrangler jeans. It's just hard to take him serious when he's like ripping on his vape. He's like if Jonathan Lipnicki from Jerry Maguire, like if things didn't turn out well for him. That's what he looks like. And that's why it's really hard for me to take him seriously. But anyway, they go to the jail, conveniently located right across the street from McDonald's. So I hope they got a two for three meal before she went in, you know? And they all do this group hug while they're inside of the truck. So they're sitting in their seats, like the doing the best they can to do this group hug hug. John is ripping his vape as they're all hugging with each other. And it's like, how am I not supposed to laugh? How do you not laugh? The big cobalt blue vape, just like all that vapor around them, like the fucking colors of the wind scene from Pocahontas. Like it just, it's so funny to me. Anyway. Um, I just felt like the rest of their scenes was like, producers knew exactly what they were doing and they were catering to me by making John stand by the river and he's like, you know, the sun is beating down, his transition lenses are going into sunglass mode and he's like waxing poetic about how, you know, you know, the person who goes to jail is not the only one who does time because like we're here on the outside having to wait and blah, blah, blah. He's like... You know, and I just can't imagine what she's going through right now. The sound of the keys and 
the clinking of the metal doors closing behind her. And it's like, are you thinking about her or are you like writing a novel right now? Like what is happening, John? Christiana, they do updates on everybody at the end of the episode. Christiana ended up getting 11 months. We see a little scene of her um, on like a, you know, one of those, I don't know, like two-way communication systems that they have. Like, you know, it's not just like you're talking through the double-pane glass anymore. It's like a, like a webcam situation. So John apparently is planning a celebration, some kind of ceremony, uh, for when she gets out. Is it going to be on the bed of a Ford F-250? I guess we might not ever find out because it doesn't seem like they're going to be on the, uh... Life After Lockup, the spinoff. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see them in another time, in another lockup, another um, spinoff, a couple seasons from now. Fingers crossed, because honestly, <laughs> I thought John was like just tragically hilarious to me. I, and I loved it. I loved him. Um, let's continue on with Scott and Lindsay. So we come back. Lindsay and Terrible are still in the attic, and now they're just full-on making out in Miley Grace's construction site bedroom, while Scott is downstairs, swiffering, acting like Susie Homemaker. Oh, Lord. Probably, you know, just pushing all of that lab hair from those two labs that he has just around, not really doing anything effective, while his you know, fiance or girlfriend is making out with her girlfriend upstairs. Um, so they've got a situation and they have an understanding, Lindsay and Terrible. Their girlfriends, Scott does know, not know, he has no idea. They have boyfriends, but it's like a polyamorous, I guess, situation. No, because polyamorous is where you guys all kind of do the thing together. It's like a polygamy situation kind of open relationship but not really because she's only with terrible they don't hook up with other women they do hook up with other men but they don't hook up they have one singular boyfriend they each have one boyfriend and each other as girlfriends they don't hook up with other men aside from their boyfriends there's no mixing of you know terrible's not coming over and like kissing those lips of scott Lindsay's not going to be making out or hooking up with her boyfriend. That's the thing. I've got a man. I've got a woman. If you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you because this is where I'm paroled. Uh, so they're kind of like talking strategy of, should we tell Scott? What What do you think? Terrible's trying to be optimistic. And she says, well, you know, maybe Scott will handle it better than you think he will. And Lindsay's like as of now, Scott has not handled anything better than I thought he would. So <laughs> I'm not really all that enthusiastic to tell him anything. So they decide to completely flip the plot line. That's the last we see of terrible Terrible. And then we get Miley Grace. Miley Grace, Lindsay's 10 year old daughter. They are now officially out of the 14 day quarantine from each other. And Miley Grace can move into the house. Miley's been living with Lindsay's mother for the past four years while she was locked up. And so, you know, it's kind of like a Janelle 
Barbara, Jace situation, except for Miley seems a lot more well-adjusted. There seems to be much more of a, like I said, Gilmore Girls situation between them, between Miley and Lindsay, if, you know, Lorelai had gone to jail. It, basically, Lindsay and Miley, no, excuse me, Lindsay and her mother have this conversation about Miley, and she's like, you know, I'm happy to have you take care of her be a parent to her, but if Miley's feeling any type of way, if she's feeling uncomfortable, she doesn't want to be here, I have no problem taking her back because this is her home, I'm basically her mother, but you gotta, you know, you gotta be present and I'm really counting on you to be the parent that Miley deserves because I'm not getting any younger and I can't be here forever. So I think Lindsay actually seems to be highly invested in Miley Grace and wants to be a parent to her. I don't think, you know, I don't think this is like a a lack of love on her side. She really seems to have like very tender feelings. I think it's going to be interesting to see her go from parenting a five, six-year-old to parenting a now almost 11-year-old. And that might be an interesting adjustment. I'll just say that's a long, that's a big difference. That's a big, big difference. So is that really it? All that we saw of them? Yeah, the, had the update at the end of the episode. Lindsay's still not told Scott about the situation. He's still very suspicious there. You know, it seems like they kind of pick up real quick after Love After Lockup filming. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of, Well, there can't be because they were, what, the only couple that was in the pandemic during this season. So there really could not have been much of a span of time between them. So let's move on to Quaylon and Chevelle. Quaylon's still in Texas with his family, sleeping on his mama's couch. He decides to call Chevelle because the night before they had gotten into it because his sister had posted a picture of him with her and her friend on Instagram and Chevelle saw it and felt some type of way. So they got into a fight. So Kaylin calls her and is like, two things. I apologize to you for what happened, but also you've been so on my back And so, like, needling and nagging to me while I've been in Texas, I kind of felt like I couldn't be honest with you about who I was hanging out with. I'm sorry for lying, but you also have to understand why I lied. Chevelle says, you know, basically what she's been saying this whole time is that, like, I've committed these two years while you were locked up and my daughter calls you dad and I'm ready. I want a ring on this finger. And I want to make it official. And Quaylon's like, well, listen, I'm not ready. And just because I'm out of jail doesn't mean that I'm trying to marry you immediately. They seem to be on two different pages about the situation. I, you know, I've been team Quaylon this whole time. Like, you have to give this man a chance to breathe. Chance to, like, he hasn't even, he's been out for maybe a month Like, let this man have at least one season where he's not, you know, locked up, where he's not behind bars. Let him breathe the air. 
let him have a shift from spring to summer. You know, just give him some time and give yourselves and your relationship some time to figure out what this is like. He has got so much to unpack from where he is to go into like full husband father mode is really unfair. And yeah, I understand Chevelle, that like he was probably making a lot of promises to you, like everybody who's in jail does to their people on the outside. But then comes the reality of being free. And I understand that like you had your head in one space, but you know, things are very different. And you should at least like give him a little bit of grace. And at least want to figure out what your relationship, how he parents your daughter. If your daughter is such a big factor into this, at least make sure that he's being a competent and good father to Myla before you really make that commitment. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine with the weather warming up it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a pilates class or outdoor guided walk Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Um, so Chevelle's mom and that tragic yellow gold lipstick are back. Who? I mean, I understand that like, you know, ladies of a certain age or really any women, sometimes we find a look. And we stick to it because we think it's like our signature. But, you know, at some point it doesn't really make sense that you're wearing hot pink eyeshadow and yellow gold lipstick. It isn't a catch-all. It doesn't go with everything. And I just wish somebody would tell her that that, you know, <sighs> please, somebody tell her <laughs> that it got discontinued. I will. Chevelle, if you were listening... I will get your mother three lipsticks in a shade that I think will complement her skin tone. I will ship them to you. I will be happy to do it just to have her explore the world of other shades other than yellow gold. And I really will. So if anybody knows Chevelle or if you're listening, Quaylon, if you're listening, Chevelle's mom, if you're listening, I will do that for you. And I will ship it to you within a week. If you want to make it and you're just unsure, if you're feeling a little bit insecure, I will do the work and the research and I will get them to you as soon as I can. Anyway, they're... Okay, here's something that you guys have to know about me. I am a woman who enjoys rules and order on all of my report cards, there was always a mention about how I use my time wisely, about how organized I was, 
And I just feel comfortable when we all follow the rules. Now, does that mean that I do everything that would be considered legal in the eyes of the law? No. But I just think that when we're given guidance, we have to follow them. And this is where I'm fucked up. Because they're having this conversation while they're all baking cookies. But they're doing that, like, those break and bake cookies. Those, you know, it's like Toll House, I think. And they come in that big, like, four by four or four by five brick of cookie dough. And they have these, like, already perforated lines. So it's, you know, you make, like, 16 or 20 cookies, depending on how many squares it is. They were just, like, tearing those cookie doughs apart to the point where I was like, oh, where's the order? Where's the organization? This is too much for my mind to take. (laughs) These are the sick things that happen in my mind. Like, oh, my God. And if you're going to, because sometimes I will like to make a bigger cookie out of those, but you have to roll them into a uniform shape. Y'all see what I mean? Like, I know that you guys are listening to this and thinking like, God, that's really weird. Like, just rip them. It really doesn't matter. But it's like, if you're not, in my mind, going to do it right, then like, figure out a different way to make it uniform. This is my sick head. So sick that I like, couldn't even really pay attention to what they were saying at the beginning. Because I was like, oh, Lord. There's just so many shapes. Some of them are bigger than the others. They're not going to cook evenly. Anyway, I I snapped out of it. And Chevelle was talking about how uh, basically she told her mom about the picture she saw on social media. Her mom is on Chevelle's side. Fair. And she's like, you know what? You've invested so much in Quaylon. You've given him a car. You've given him clothes. You've given a place to live. And... Honestly, if he's not invested in you as much as you are to him, then you should just end things. So, Quaylon decides to come back to Kansas City, unbeknownst to Chevelle, until he (laughs) um, ends up outside knocking on her window. Like, her living room window. And, like, Quaylon, I know that you've been locked up, but, and I know... You know, we live in a world where, you know, thank God that there were cameras there and a production team because imagine, <laughs> I, I'm getting ner- I was getting nervous watching him, you know, like duck down so nobody could see in the windows, put his uh, luggage in the shrubbery outside, drop his, you know, fucking Hudson news bag on the side and like creep up to the window. It's not a great look. And I'm just saying like, he needs, you know, these are the sorts of things that he needs to know that like, we can't just be you as a black man just can't be creeping around somebody's house. Who knows what the neighbors are seeing? Who knows? You know, I just didn't want things to escalate. Fortunately, they did not. Uh, Chevelle was very happy to see Quaylon. It was a good scene. I think the most mature that we've seen of them so far. And by them, I mean Chevelle, because I feel like Quaylon really has it all together. The, he has a heart to heart with her. And it's basically like, you know, I understand that you had these ideas in mind that you wanted to get married. I get it. I respect it, (laughs) but 
you, I need time and I need you to give me a little bit more grace and I need you to be understanding that like, I just got out of prison for 12 years. I am not ready. It's not that I'm not committed to you and your daughter. I love you both, but you have to give me some time to reacclimate to the real world. And I, they both agree to just take it day by day. And I'm happy that Chevelle finally understood. She says she still wants that ring, but she says she will understand and she will be patient for now. And I'm wondering what the time limit on for now is. I'm going to give it probably six weeks (laughs) before she starts acting up again. But she did agree not to say anything the following week, but she didn't commit to two weeks. And I'm just saying that. Um, what was their update? Quaylon still lives in Kansas City. They're still together. He hasn't proposed. We'll see them on Life After Lockup and see how that all turns out. So moving on to Maurice and Jessica, it is now time for the big day. And I really wish that they had put, maybe I put my head down for a second and I didn't see, but I would like to know how long Maurice has been out of jail from the time he got released to the time he they got married i just would like to know um also we remember that he is on a basically like a like a visitor's permit kind of from his parole and so he has to go back to california every month but then he can go he can stay in vegas for a month but then he has to go back check in with them and then get his like permit renewed basically. So I'm wondering where they're at with that. He hasn't mentioned whether or not he had been able to permanently move over to his Vegas, like get his residency permanently moved over. Um, I'm curious about that, but anyway, it's time for the big day. Apparently, Jessica's sister and her mom had a conversation. Her mom told her sister, like, hey, uh, Jessica's getting married again, officially. And that, you know, she's pregnant. And somehow this actually turned, I think her name is Jen, into kind of thinking like, okay, maybe I'll come to the wedding. This is a real thing, a real relationship that my sister's in, so... Maybe it's time that I start talking to her (laughs) and we can reform our relationship. So all of Maurice's family is in from California. They're staying at the house. uh, Jessica's dad comes over to say hi to everybody, introduce himself. And then Maurice and her father go outside to have like a, you know, man to man conversation And Jessica's dad's like, you know, like, oh, typical dad jokes, like, well, she's all yours. You know, now you're going to be paying the bills and, you know, uh, you're responsible for the payments. And like, well, are they? Are you? Are you going to be Maurice? Because you still owe dad for the engagement ring and you don't have a job. So make the jokes, but just realize that those are jokes shall we? (laughs) Um, anyway, what are we, what happens after that? So, oh, okay. (laughs) Maurice goes to the wedding venue, tries to, runs out of gas. 
So who paid for that bill? Does the bill comment happen after they say their vows or does, does he still have some wiggle room? Cause you're going to have to put 10 on 20 right now, Mr. Jessica. Um, so then Jessica is getting ready with her mom and her friend, her maid of honor friend, and her sister actually shows up and she tells her she misses her, which I'm just assuming that's what she said because she's like, she says it all in one word, like, hey, Jessica, I miss you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I miss you. Sorry. <laughs> you look nice. I miss you. Okay. So Maurice, his, Maurice's friend actually runs to like, go get a gas can and get a, you know, a gallon in there. Everything's fine. Y'all, the way I screamed, they get to the wedding ceremony <laughs> and Maurice, <laughs> Maurice and Jessica's dad are wearing matching black paisley suits with teal bow ties. <laughs> it was a real look to see a middle-aged white man in a black satin paisley blazer With a barbershop quartet teal bow tie. It was a real look. It was a real, it was a lot of look for Maurice. So imagine how that looks on a guy who basically looks like, you know, the my pillow guy. Okay. So everything is great. And I just have a question. Every, we've seen a lot of weddings on Love After Lockup. And I'm constantly amazed about a few things first of all the number of guests because their venues are always like 30 percent occupied <laughs> like there's never seems to be more than 25 people there there's usually like a great difference between who has more guests in this case it was maurice Jessica, I counted, I think she had like nine guests, including her parents and sister. Maurice had about 15, 15 or 16, maybe even 18. It could have been 30 guests total. But that was interesting because they're from Vegas, right? So you would think that Jessica would have more people because they were in Vegas rather than all of his family coming from California. And I I understand that that's not really that far of a drive, but still. My second thing is, (laughs) what's the dress code? Because I'm trying to, like, think outside of myself and understand that, you know, I see these 90-day weddings, 90-day fiancé weddings, and these love-after-lock-up weddings, and I understand that not everybody has been privileged to have this, like, middle-class, suburban lifestyle that I'm accustomed to and was born in. I get that. I I certainly did not grow up in anybody's version of like wealthy, you know, we did fine. What I'm saying is that I'm used to weddings where there's like a general dress code and I've just never been to a wedding in which people wear things that they would wear any old day, like zip up hoodies or jeans, or like sweatpants. I didn't know how common that was until I started watching these shows. They had the flower girl who was wearing 
Like, and she looked very cute. Don't get me wrong, but she was wearing skinny jeans and, like, a cardigan. Like a, you know, like a children's place cardigan. Like a Serco. Is that a Target brand for kids? Serco, you know, just like an everyday, I'm going over to Auntie's house, I'm going to go play with my cousins, I'm going to school kind of outfit. I just never thought of jeans as being an option for a wedding. Like, don't we all just have, like, a khaki or a black pant lying around? Don't you have, like, a dress, a skirt outfit that you... I'm not trying to shade anybody. I've just never been in a situation where it's been so casual, you know? (laughs) I just have questions. Is it, like... Are the is production paying for this, and it's all just very last minute, so like people don't have time to get prepared? <sighs> I'm feeling like I'm sounding very bougie, and I'm not trying to. I've just never seen jeans at a wedding. That's all I'm saying. I've just, I've never seen a hoodie at a wedding. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay, let's move on to uh, Destiny and Sean. Y'all, I fucking hate Sean. He's such a fucking ugh. He's like a, just like a, ugh. (laughs) Limp. 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 He's limp. He's a limp lump, if you will. He just doesn't have a spine. He doesn't have any sort of convictions. He just sort of blows wherever, wherever destiny tells him to do. He just tells it. But then he's not being fully honest with her. And I think... Destiny is smarter. Like, that bitch is pure chaos, and she is like the Tasmanian devil, and she is just like... But she's smart, and she picks up on things. And she is perceptive, for sure. And she listens to her intuition, and she's always correct. I've never heard her say anything about Sean that was wrong. He will do whatever Destiny says, but then he'll also, behind her back, do whatever he wants. And then there's all these this chaos being happening in their relationship because she catches him not being honest with her, and then it's a problem. So when we left off with them last episode, they were having this big confrontation with Kelly, his baby mama, at a restaurant called... The stove. Destiny, this is where Destiny loses me. She keeps talking about how she wants to fight Kelly and how mad she is at Kelly. And I just feel like Destiny needs to work on being more into female empowerment and into girl power and into women supporting other women. Because she's not. She's very like, this is my man. And any bitch who comes in my way is a bitch and I will fight her even though it's not her fault it's not Kelly's fault so here's what happens Kelly shows up (laughs) she does like a pre-interview thing before she actually sits down with Sean and Destiny is like you know what I really didn't think that Destiny would last as long I thought she would just be a fling but just so y'all know I may be little but I am Italian And I'm going to match Destiny's energy and I'm not afraid to fight. Okay? 
I have no problem throwing down if I need to. So Kelly sits down and Sean's like, you know, I really want to set boundaries and, you know, you really need to stop calling me and basically like calling Kelly desperate and making it seem like she is so in love with Sean and that she's calling him for other reasons than the kids, which I don't doubt, but we, what Destiny doesn't know and what Sean is not being honest about is the fact that he is... They were trying to get together just months before she got out of jail. So he is as much as a participant in Kelly, Kelly's headspace as Kelly is. Like, Kelly, I wouldn't say is delusional. I think she's very realistic, and I think she probably thinks... I know for a fact that if Destiny and Sean broke up, Sean would be calling Kelly within 45 minutes of Destiny moving out, you know... I have no doubt about that. He still has feelings for her or he's just one of those guys who like needs to be in a relationship or he needs to have like a woman who has feelings for him, even if he's just going to play the fuck out of them. Like he's been playing Kelly for 20 years because she's the only one who'll be around. And clearly she has no problem with him sticking it in her without a condom as that evidence by the soccer team full of children that they have. Anyway, I, I I don't think Kelly... Kelly should have been more honest. And I think if Kelly had known that Sean had not told her that they had been talking prior to her getting out and that they... If she had been more explicit about the kind of relationship that they have, I think Destiny would have been more against Sean. Because really this is all Sean's fault and all his doing. So, Destiny starts in immediately about, like, you know, well, Kelly starts saying, you know, if I need to call him about the kids, I'm going to do it. You're not going to stop me from doing that. And Destiny is like, well, you know what? The kids are old to call him. They're old enough to call him on his own. You don't need to be talking to him at all, blah, blah, blah. Kelly's like, that's absolutely not true. And it's not. Even if those kids are, let's say the youngest kid is 13, and all those kids are between the ages of, like, 13 and, like, 22. I think there are kids younger than 13 in this case. But let's even say that the kid is, like, 10. That is... There needs to be some conversations to be had. This isn't, like, a situation where, you know, it's just emergencies only. And, you know, because it, you guys are going to have to talk about how to parent... You guys are going to have to talk about how to, every child is going to have different needs. There are going to have to be conversations about picking up. There are going to have to be conversations about how to discipline a child. There are going to have to be conversations about all sorts of things, especially when you have six children. So why Destiny thinks like, oh, they're totally fine. These kids are self-sufficient. They can call you. Yeah, they can. And maybe you guys don't need to be talking every day, but there's probably a conversation that needs to be had every week that's not necessarily an end of the world emergency conversation, but they're conversations that need to be had by two parents that are active parents in these children's lives. Especially if 
Kelly has them most of the time. There's going to be points where he has the kids and they're going to need to have a conversation about X, Y, Z. That's just the reality of the situation. So Kelly says, you know, when it comes to my kids, it's my rules. You are not going to be making the rules about like how I communicate and who, how the kids are going to communicate with their father. Like that's not how this works. Destiny, you stepped into my world and you need to understand and then Kelly asked Destiny, why would you even go for a guy who's got six kids? <laughs> Fair question. Fair question. Um, spoiler alert, Kelly, it's because Destiny had no idea that he had six kids. She thought he had like two. He lied to her. Um, and then she's like, you know what, Destiny, because she's sick of her now, because Destiny keeps threatening to fight. She's like, you know, I'm better than you, and I've never been to jail, and I had Clash. Not class, clash with a C with an S H. <laughs> C L A S H, as in the band, as in what happens when you put two um, symbols together, that sort of thing. Clash, <laughs> and and I I made sure to rewind to say that she to hear and see that she actually said clash and not class. So Sean keeps trying to play referee between them, but fails because again, he's a limp little lump of a man and it gets to the point where Destiny's like, well, we're actually getting married. So how about that? How about that? I don't know. Then Destiny threatens to beat the shit out of Kelly. So Kelly's like, you know what? I'm not liking what I'm seeing here. Actually, Destiny, I don't think you should have any access to my children. I do not want you around my kids. And she says, Sean, if you continue to stay with her, you're not going to have access to the kids either. So what does Sean and Destiny do? What does Sean do? Because these are his children. He leaves. He basically says, well, this is my life now. See you later. I'm going off with Destiny. (laughs) With a woman who has another woman's name tattooed across her chest. We didn't ever address the fact that, like, whether or not Sean knows that she's bisexual. And that she has no uh, intention of being faithful to him. And she wants to hook up with other women while they're together. We never address that. And I hope we do at some point. Anyway, um, he just walks out. What a limp dick. Come on. You just blew your whole... Rel- Imagine your six kids seeing that. Seeing their mother say, Destiny, your fiancé, threatened to beat my ass. And I said, you can no longer have access to my children because you threatened to throw hands on me. And his, your father's reaction is to just completely drop you as a child. And he did that. He walked away. And not only did he walk away as they're walking down the stairs and going to the parking lot and going to the house and at the house, he's talking to Destiny about how he's going to do everything he can for her. And this is his new world and his new life. And fuck them kids, basically. (laughs) Fuck them kids. I could not. I could believe it. I'm not going to say I couldn't. I could. He's sick. He's a sick person. Destiny's like, well, 
I don't understand why Kelly doesn't want me around the kids. Um, because you threatened to beat her ass seven times. Y'all didn't even get water. You guys didn't even eat anything. Not an app. Not an app. Not a sip of water was on that table. The napkins were still rolled up, folded up nicely on the plates. And she wants to know why Kelly doesn't want her around her kids. (laughs) Girl. Anyway. Finally, Destiny turns on Sean for continuing to talking to Kelly because Kelly's like, I don't understand why you can't talk to me all of a sudden. We never had this issue with any of your other girlfriends. And now Destiny's mad at Sean because she's like, you didn't establish this before when you were talking to other women. So now this is why we're in the position that we are. Okay. Okay, Destiny. (laughs) So then we see they're back at home. Destiny's still mad. She's like, you know, I feel like you're just telling me what I want to hear. True. True. And I just don't, I don't care about anything. Don't, I'm not here for the money. I'm here for this relationship. I have no problem divorcing you in three months. If you're not honest with me, I just need you to tell me the truth. Then she says, I don't think that Sean is prepared for what's coming up. And then we see a blurred out pregnancy test on a bathroom counter. And that was the end of Sean and Destiny. Oh my gosh. We find out that Destiny at the end of the episode is still gambling with Sean's money. And Sean is still talking to Kelly. So we'll see how that turns out on Life After Lockup. And we end the episode with just a quick update of Heather and Dylan. Like I said last week, y'all, I told you guys I had all the confidence in the world that Dylan could do well if he found something, if he worked in sales and marketing, because he's just that charming and he's got, he's smart. Turns out I was right. Dylan is fucking thriving, living in a really cute apartment, two bedroom place on the north side of Chicago. He said, I'm making, I'm working in renewable energy. I'm making more money than I ever did selling drugs. If I had known that I could make this kind of money this easily, I never would have gotten into the drug game. And I just like, I love to see this rehab because Dylan to me was like a total sales guy. You could tell that that's how he's working. And we just got, took the molly out of his hands, took the Coke out of his hands and got him into the renewable energy game. (laughs) And he's living his best fucking life. Good for you, Dylan. I'm truly happy for him. His mom comes over. He's, you know, he's got all of this gorgeous food. Cook, they're cooking dinner with each other. He's got these, like, beautifully marbled steaks. He bought rosemary, green beans, fresh green beans, probably organic. Not in the can. Those ones that you snap. Oh, great ones. Cooking a beautiful meal with his mother, who he looks just like. She's very pretty. And he basically says, you know, I haven't talked to Heather. We really, like, I haven't, we stopped after, we talked after filming. And by the way, you guys, I found out that they actually were supposed to be on in, like, last season of Love After Lockup. But for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So all the footage that we're seeing, I think, might be from, like, 2018. 
um, or like early 2019. So we just see pickups of them. He's doing great, living in this cute house. He and his mom are loving life. She's doing great. Uh, he basically says, you know, like, it was tough. I have love for Heather. I don't have any animosity towards her. Um, but I have no intention of getting back together with her. That's for sure. Um, then we see Heather. She is still modeling. She calls herself a, um, she's doing sexy content creation. And we see her at a photo shoot in a wig and a lot of makeup. And, you know, seems to be doing fine. Doing fine. She basically says, you know, I feel like Dylan took advantage of me and discarded me. And that, like, I just didn't have that same feeling when he got out of jail and he wasn't like as loving towards me and like the just you know that that spark that we had when he was in jail was gone once he got out and it's like okay well you guys only spent 48 hours together so <laughs> what does that say about either of you um and basically she says you know I don't have ill will but I do feel salty that I wasted all this time with him because they were together for for what five years while he was in that was the end of them. Um, they're both dating other people. That was really just their update. And I saw a headline that I really didn't want to get into because it sounded really like messy and gross. And Heather's making these accusations about Dylan being gay and how he basically just like took advantage of her and how he really is attracted to men. I don't know. I don't, whatever. That's his business if it's true. And if it's not, that's really gross of you to say. Like, you, we don't just, we're past that, calling people gay just because they're not attracted to you. Okay? Okay. Um, Heather, I mean, clearly has a lot to work through. Okay. That's the end, y'all. I can't believe I talked about it. I really thought that I was just going to be 20 minutes, you know, and here we are at 45. So with that, let's get to the next segment. Did you lie to all of Bachelor Nation? 100% no. And I could wholeheartedly attest to this on my dad's grave. There was never, ever a single ounce of contact, communication through friends, through outlets, through phone numbers, through any sort of source of anything. Yeah. And I think that to me is honestly one of the most beautiful things. Claire and I never once spoke, never communicated, never talked, never texted. It was after we got engaged that he was like, can I have your number? I didn't, I I didn't get, get a number. number. Yes, it was like, uh, we, it was before I was going to finally go home. Yeah. It's unprecedented. It's never happened in the history of the show. We've had amazing love stories. Yeah. Never actually two weeks later shut it down. The Bachelorette joined with me is probably what I'm going to call, and I don't know if she would agree, but a Bachelor Universe scholar, a Bachelor Nation scholar. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to, I need to use the right term. The term. Um, Christina, no, nope, I always do it. As I do. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Christine Bil- Bianca Villa, hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. I hello. talk to me about your journey with The Bachelor. Have you been watching this whole time? Yeah, so I love the term Bachelor Scholar. I will be using that from now on and I will be adding it to my resume. Um, I have been watching this show since, I mean, I was in high school. So like years and years and years. Um, I started watching it. One of my friends got me into it during, um, 
Sean Lowe and Catherine season. And now they're married with like three kids. Um, sure, and that nothing, but I right, love it. They're like the one couple that like has really, really made it. Um, and then I went back and watched some of the earlier seasons, like um, before them. And yeah, I've been watching like, I mean, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, which is honestly, I think you will thrive during Bachelor in Paradise. And I tried to watch the spinoff, The Bachelor, Listen to Your Heart, and I truly could not. I could not. I couldn't. I tried. Um, I'm a loyal, loyal Bachelor Nation, and I could not do it. So other than that, I've seen pretty much everything. So... Tell me this. Do you watch The Bachelor because you enjoy the romantic aspect of it? Or do you just like the chaos of it? Is it like a combination? What what motivates you to keep tuning in? So what motivates me is that I am psychotic. I can't stay away. Um, but like, it's like almost, I used to watch it because I was like, oh, this is so nice. Like, I like, I mean... I love love. Like, I love a uh, romantic comedy. I love that stuff. So what first attracted to me was that I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. Like, this is really cute. And then as more chaos started to ensue, I was like, oh, oh, this is good TV. Like, this is entertaining. And now it's kind of, it's a mess. And I love mess, as Marie Kondo would say. Like, I love nonsense. So it's kind of turned from, like, I mean, always when someone, like, really falls in love. Like, I will always be, like, rooting for couples. So, like, I like that aspect. But the chaos is what has kept me around, which is why I love Bachelor in Paradise, because it is pure chaos. And are those all people from various franchises? Or is it, like, a challenge where they now shuttle in people from, like, fucking Geordie Shore and... (laughs) Just like yeah, shows. Bachelor of Paradise is all people from past seasons. So, I mean, Claire, the current Bachelorette, she has been on Bachelor in Paradise, I think, twice now. So they always bring in um, all people from past franchises. And so, like, you know everyone, okay. kind of. Like, he's, you know. But they'll, yeah. Okay, interesting. Oh, so- I forgot about Bachelor Winter Games. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Because that's how Claire got engaged for the for, for the first time. I had never even heard anybody use those words in, you know, in order. And I was like, wow, that's a whole new thing. I assume oh. that's just in paradise, but cold weather. Exactly. And it's like you compete with like, not even compete. It's like Olympic, like, you know, like a luge or like a ski, like, ski, like, I don't know. I don't know what they tried to do, but it was... It was interesting to say the least, but that is what, that's when Claire got engaged to Benoit. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And they brought in actually, you know who they, what they did for Bachelor Winter Games. They brought in people that competed on Bachelor, Bachelorette Canada and Australia. Like I think all the international ones. So it was like an Olympics of sorts. Kara. There's Rachel. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. You just cut out. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
The only one that I've seen, the whole season that I've seen is Rachel Lindsay's. And I was just so burned by the fact that she didn't pick Peter that, like, I just couldn't, I didn't know if I could ever love again, you know? Yeah. So, what's happening there? Do you have the tea on, because I know she's married, and I know she wore that hideous dress, and her hair looked awful, and I don't get it, and I don't think they live together. It feels doomed, her and Dr. Abs. I mean, so... I, Rachel Lindsay's season, I actually, I mean, I loved the guys that she had, and I I am obsessed with Peter, Peter Krause, um, and I know that I fully believed that she only chose Brian because Peter was like, listen, I, I love you, but I don't want to get engaged at the end of this. I just want to, like, date, and yeah. so, uh, right, like, for years after, right. so for years after I was like oh well um she obviously just chose Brian because he was the only one there but now that they're married like I'm and I can't really like I'm you know I'm not trying to yuck someone's yums yuck someone's marriage so I think it's I I have really come around to them and I think they're really cute and I like listen to her I, I listen to her now, like, on her other podcast. So, like, I hear her talk about him, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. I- really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I felt like she was really wanted to be there for the right reasons. And then right. it felt like when she wanted to just get married and, like, dumped Peter, he it really felt like Brian was an afterthought and a second right. choice. And it felt like tactical of like, oh, I want to have a show or maybe a spinoff or, you know, get on the cover of Us Weekly or something because I sealed the deal with whoever. Right. Doesn't matter. And, right. And that is also what I had thought prior to like, like even up until like a, a few, like until they got married, I was like, no, 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 I don't believe it. Like, this is just all for show, but I've come around. Okay, good. Okay, good. So let's talk about this season. I felt like one day everything just exploded and then there was all this news coming out about the season, about how Claire had like blown up The Bachelor. Yes, as we've heard Chris say it 87 times. <laughs> oh, okay. So I have a question about Chris. Is he usually, like, I don't remember him. He, he I get the sense that he's like annoyed with Claire yes you are not you're not wrong because I also feel that way and I think it came like because normally the bachelor or bachelorette very similar with like you know housewives will where someone will get a great edit one season a bad edit the next or if they're phasing someone out like they won't get the greatest edit so obviously if you're the lead bachelor bachelorette you'll get a you'll get a good edit because yeah. obviously, and even on Nick Vial season, the girl he got engaged to, Vanessa, apparently they have since broken up, but apparently she was like a monster, but got the best edit because they ended up together in the end. But like, mm-hmm. so like the, the Bachelor knows exactly what they're doing. So Claire, like they have not given her a great edit. Like it. People do not like her. And, like, if they wanted people to like her, they would make us like her. Like, they know how to do it. They know how to spin it. 
So I fully believe that like they were angry and they, because they're making her look insane. I mean, so yeah. yeah. Tell us about her reputation prior to this show. Was she always kind of chaotic energy or is this a new thing? No, she's always been a little chaotic, um, especially like because when she left Juan Pablo season, she did it in like a very dramatic fashion. I'm sure you've seen the clip because they remind us every day um, of her saying, you know, you will you will never be the father of my children or whatever she said. And that people liked it at the time. And I feel like it was kind of wild because people hated Juan Pablo. So we're all kind of like, oh, go Claire. Like, she's awesome. And then I think it was after she went on like Bachelor in Paradise once and then she went on it again and then she went on Winter Games. I kind of was like, I think everyone was like, okay, like, please stop. Like, like, <laughs> and, and I'll say that about anyone, not just Claire. Like if you're on like your third or fourth runaround of the, of yeah. the Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise, I'm like, clearly this isn't working it's for not- you. Like, it's not even just Claire. I'll say that about anyone. So I'm like, I think after that, people started to be like, okay, like, enough is enough. Okay. Because my first impression of her was like, you know, she was giving very, like, Disney princess, like, I'm here to find my man. Love will conquer all. Whatever. Like, she just had, like, you know, stars in her eyes, that whole thing. And I felt like, wow, you've been on this franchise for six years and you're still... Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) This it didn't feel right to me, so I'm glad. I'm glad my instincts are correct. Oh yeah, not yeah. You are on the nose. What are your thoughts on Dale? Oh, Dale. I mean, so all of these. Let me. I am not. I don't read spoilers. I never have. um, Like I don't read reality, Steve. So when all of this happened, it kind of was just like shoved in our faces like that apparently she was talking to Dale before and this was before the season even aired so like I heard that rumor and I was like oh like I really try not to read them because obviously I just like like to be surprised for some reason and but this rumor was like so like there like it was all over Instagram and e-news and whatever and so I already didn't really love him because I was like oh well like they talked like they obviously talked blah 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 like I I already came in not with a great impression and then when he showed up like on the show I was like oh okay like you're hot but like you're a wet blanket I was like I don't see the and like he got all the screen time he had plenty of opportunities to like be like have like an attractive personality like he literally got every minute of screen time so like I I don't know I don't love him right and I like they kind of painted him as like the villain and all the guys hated him but I'm like he wasn't even giving me a fully fleshed out villain he was really right. giving me, like, a sponge of nothing and I don't understand even now what they have in common other than tragedy <laughs> and why they like each other right I, don't get I mean I agree he right he didn't even bring enough to the table to be a villain like it, it, he couldn't even do that. Like it was just kind of like bland, not much. So I yeah. don't really, like, I have no opinion on him even. I'm like, okay, like you're there and that's that. Right. Like if, if she <laughs> likes it, I love it. Right. So talk to me about Tasia. Is she from 
the new is she from bachelor nation or is she from is she yeah. a new person? so Completely she new. is from colton underwood season i'm I, the the one that was a virgin colton the virgin i'm sure you i'm only saying that because i feel like that's how people know him sure. um the guy who once dated ali raceman the the gymnastics um okay interesting right. So Tasha was on his season and made it to top top three or top two. I forget. Um, okay. And then he, um, or sorry, she went on Bachelor in Paradise for a season and had like a romance with like a few, like this guy, Derek, and then this other guy, John Paul Jones. And they like dated for a little and that was it. But I think after she... Um, got dumped from Colton season, a lot of people were like, we need her as the bachelorette. Like, need, need, need. Um, and it never happened. So I think now, like, people were always rooting for her to be the bachelorette, even after Bachelor in Paradise. They're like, we still want more. Like, we just, like, and I personally love her. Like, I loved her on Colton season. Love Paradise. I just think she's, like, so fun. And she doesn't uh, bother me, which is very important. So... I yeah, like. she, she gives me like once I saw her, I was like, oh, she looks like somebody who would be a bachelorette. I don't know yeah. anything about her, but like, I get it. Yeah, I get. It. Okay, so people do know her because I wasn't sure about mm-hmm. that. Yes, people know her. Let's talk about the latest episode. I going into this, I was really nervous because she's a woman of color, and I was thinking, if you're not letting all of these guys know, there are a lot of white guys if you're not letting all these guys know who they're being introduced to this may not go well mm-hmm. I, I felt very uncomfortable I was like oh I don't know what's happening here but fortunately a lot of them were like you're actually way more my type than Claire <laughs> <laughs> like, I were- agree I feel like the second she walked in they like let out a sigh of relief they were like oh thank god we love her <laughs> like <laughs> And they were so excited. And this episode was interesting because I feel like they pulled out like the second string dudes, like the dudes that I had never heard speak. Yeah. The dudes that, like really didn't get any airtime. Like we didn't see any of Bennett. Yeah. We saw all the like, you know, there's that guy that looks like one of the chipmunks and he got a lot of screen time. He has glasses. I don't know what his name is and I'm not going to learn it, but uh, yeah, they were very excited. I not yeah. It was refreshing. I I com- I am glad actually that they brought out like you said like these second string guys because uh, honestly they deserve they deserve this because I actually really like a lot of them. So I'm like, "Oh wow, like Claire literally gave us nothing. Like did not even I, I didn't even know that half of the guys like during Tasha's episode I was like, "Are these Claire's men or did they just come out of the limo like I truly had no idea so I am so happy that we got like to actually like we're getting to know them because I actually like a lot of them yeah and tell me this is it common for on the bachelorette for the guys to form such a friendship with each other yes or that is that's normal okay yeah I was wondering if this was like a consequence of the fact that Claire basically rejected all of them. So we're like, oh, I guess we'll just get to know each other. But this yeah. is common. Okay. No, it's it's fairly common. And a lot of them have, like, you know, friendships that, I mean, 
like are still like a lot of them from previous seasons are still like best friends. And it happens with the girls too. Like they'll become friends with each other. So that's totally normal. Do you prefer the bachelor to the bachelorette or vice versa? Or do you have, do you have a preference or are they both good? So I, I like them both. And I mean, there's pros and cons. What I don't like about the bachelor is I am like whoever the bachelor is, I have no interest in him almost. I have mm-hmm. more interest in in the women that are competing on his season. Like I've never been like, I love this bachelor. Like, you know, because I'm not yeah. like, I'm like, eh, like fine. Like I'm more interested in getting to know the women on his season because then I know I'm going to see them. Either one of them is going to be the bachelorette or they're going to be on bachelor in paradise. The bachelorette okay. I love because I genuinely love like watching the woman's journey, like okay. as the bachelorette. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we see Tasia meets all the guys. She's so excited. She has a beautiful smile. Yeah. I love everything about her. Bang and Love that for her. Chris Harrison comes out like a serial killer, like out of the shadows. And is like, I have more men for you. <laughs> and we see that limo pull up and four more guys come out. Were you, did you have an immediate reaction to Spencer the way the other guys did? Like Kenny was not having it at all. I mean, when he came out of the limo, I was like, Ooh, like he is a good looking gentleman, but I didn't like think anything of him. I was like, Oh, he's hot. And I, I think I like him because he, like, I like just like a shallow first response, but As the episode started to go on, I was like, something is off about him. And I think it maybe was because the guys thought that. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, I see it. (laughs) Right. Because he came out or he came into the room and was like, oh, which one is the one that like chased Claire away? And I just thought it was like funny. But like Kenny was like not having it. Yeah. I think he was just like making. I didn't like really like have an issue with him at first until like the episode went on. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. I, I loved when the guys were coming out of the limo and then the OG bros were looking out the window and they were like, oh yeah, he's not competition for me. Like I loved that. That was so funny. Like I love the, like the bromances, if you will. I hate that word, but I, I love the friendships. Like I think that's so funny. I love how they don't really, I don't understand what their motivation is at this point because <laughs> the 16 OG guys are like so territorial over this woman that they not even that not even her they're just like so territorial the fact that they've been there right (laughs) they're territorial over the experience (laughs) yeah it's really weird like it's okay it really it's been here a week and a half like right realistically it's been two days (laughs) (laughs) I think it was weird though because the like, I want to know where they got those four guys from. Like, were they just rejections from Claire's season? Like, were they also in quarantine? Like, the quarantine thing is, like, you had to know you were coming. Yeah. Because you exactly. had to quarantine. Exactly. Like, how long have they been keeping her on the burner? Right. How long? What about these other guys? Where, yeah, I... Where did I they come have, from, you know? On the La Quinta property this whole time? Like... Right. Or maybe it was someone from Claire's season who, like, tested positive for COVID and then recovered. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe they just kept them all there. (laughs) No clue. Like, I have no idea. (laughs) Um, One guy at some point says, the first impression, Rose, is life or death. Excuse (laughs) me? 
<laughs> he needs to get out in the world and have some experiences. That's for sure. Uh, fortunately, Tasia like flips it up on everybody and's like, I don't want to do a rose ceremony. I want to keep everyone. Love that. Love that move. It was a power move if I've ever seen one. And I appreciated that. So then they like randomly in the middle of it are like, okay, let's talk to Claire and Dale. What did you think about this interview? Um, because it was, yeah, very annoyed. It was not welcomed on my screen. I did not ask for it. Um, at no point while I was watching Tasha did I think, oh, you know what I would love right now? A Claire and Dale update. Right. Um, so I thought it was unwarranted. And if they were going to do that, just do it in the beginning. Like, don't give us Tasha and then cut us out to this and then go back to Tasha. Like, it was just like, like, je- just from like a programming standpoint, it made no sense. Like, so who, who signed off on that? Right. Put them at the beginning or at the end. Like, right. it didn't make any sense to have this like intermission. It was so strange. It's not like it's live TV. Like, this was obviously pre recorded. It's not like, uh, like, you had plenty of time to put this together. It was so, so strange. I'm like, I mean, that interview in itself was the wildest 10 minutes I've ever seen. Right. (laughs) Like her still like Chris is like, what has life been like for you guys outside of the La Quinta? And she's like, it's been great. You know, he's really there for me. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you guys are probably stuck in a house together. He really doesn't have a choice. He didn't have a choice when he was on the show because the whole point is literally for everybody to be there for you. Right. So what I don't, she, and then she told this weird story that how the day before she was pacing around the pool because she was so anxious and he like held he her hand. He was there. <laughs> he, he just took my hand and walked around the pool with me. Like, I mean, what? It, that was it, like, it if was, that is the bar, the bar is so low. Like, like my therapist no. can do that. Like, I was just like, what? Like, what? Yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, okay, so he's just there? That's... Like, he's just being a human, seeing another human in need, like, as oh. any, like, what? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Love yourself, Claire. Like, please. Oh. And I mean, and like, oh, sorry, you go. Who has zero confidence in men and does not love themselves. Like, this is sad for me, girl. This yeah. is sad to watch. 
It is. And like, they're not on the same page. No, because when Chris was They're in different books. They are in different books. Completely. Completely. Chris asks, like, what is the future for you guys? And Claire's like, babies. (laughs) And Dale's like, didn't even give Dale a chance to answer. (laughs) And poor Dale. Chris is like, so you gonna, oh, okay, so marriage or babies first? And Dale goes, marriage, while Claire simultaneously says, oh, well, whatever happens. I'm like, this is something y'all should have talked about, like, before you got engaged. And this is what happens when people know each other for 72 hours only. Exactly. She still seems completely brainwashed and have it head over heels. He seems to have a little bit more. He seems a little bit more grounded on the situation. What are your predictions for their future? Um, I mean, I don't have. They're not great. If I, if you know, let me just say that I. And listen, I feel bad. Like Claire, I know. Like she wants love. Like I get it. Who among us doesn't? Like I. I want it to work out for her, but mm-hmm. I I know it won't. I mean, this this man, this boy, I don't know how old is he? Like I, I don't even know how old he is. Um, <laughs> this boy, you can tell, like you can just tell that mm-hmm. he does not want to be there. And maybe and again, maybe it's the editors making it look like he doesn't want to be there because they wanna like do Claire dirty, but I firmly believe you know what? Because I did watch their Instagram live like last week and I was like, this is the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen. So like I I don't think it's it's the editors. I take that back. Um what happened? Yeah. It was just weird. Like she was like sitting on his lap and they were just like on Instagram live like talking and I was just like this I feel like I'm not watching a couple. Mm. I don't know. And like normally when you break the news like the, the next day, and, you know, I know we're in different times, but it's, like, the next day, Good Morning America, like, you do the press tour, like, it's so in love, and, like, you can tell, like, the couples that, like, normally everyone acts like a normal couple, couple like, they're so excited, and it was just, like, weird, like, I don't know, despite both of their Instagram posts being, like, very couple they don't seem like a couple, <laughs> Yeah, I just, it always feels to me like she's always gushing, and then he waits for her to finish and just echoes the same thing back that she just said back to her. Yes. And then she's like, we're on the same page. Like, he gets it. And it's like, no, he's just repeating, this is plagiarism. Right. Oh, my God. It's so strange. So, the only other thing that we got from this interview is... Chris was like, you know, Bachelor Nation was really skeptical that you guys could be so in love with each other without having never communicated. Claire once again swears on her father's grave that they've never, they had never spoken. It was a complete love at first sight situation. What do you believe? Well, I, I don't, I think that's a... I think that's bullshit, honestly. I think that they definitely talked. And I, I say this because of the rumors that came out before the season aired. Like, like it, things came out. And I believe that, you know, pretty much anything that comes out in, like, Bachelor news, like, 
they're they're on the nose like it's normally correct it's it's you know it's not made up stuff so i or sometimes it is but this i believed um i believe that they talked even if it was just a dm like whatever i mean obviously they both admitted to like looking each other up because i mean and that i get like who wouldn't you have time off you know every single guy i'm 100 percent gonna look on their social media and see if they are like i don't know like a crazy person or doesn't have the same views as me or this like obviously you're gonna do that but i don't know i don't know i believe i believe that they spoke ahead of time yeah Mm. and what could they have possibly talked about because I still don't get it <laughs> right <laughs> um that was really it was there anything else from that interview I don't think so I don't think so aside like from it being so very strange very strange in every sense of the word yeah Thank God we go back to Tasia. Our, their first like group activity is like splash ball where the guys are in speedos playing basketball in the pool. Riley and Spencer get heated and Riley ends up elbowing Spencer and making his mouth bleed. You he just is- said the name Riley and I, for the life of me, I cannot put a face <laughs> to that name. Wait, I need to look up the... Riley Bachelorette, because when when I tell you, I have never in my life. Okay, hold on. He's the okay. one Riley. Bachelor. Yes, I like him. I like Riley. Yes. Okay. He looks like a character from We Fit, which I fully agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> that is really funny. Uh, yeah, they got into it. There's like, it really seems like Tasia's like really into Spencer. Mm-hmm. And she goes over to the side of the pool. First of all, I think the producers at ABC need to be sued because shame on them for making that black girl get in the pool and then sit there in the hot 120 degree palm (laughs) spring sun and just like let her hair air dry. That poor thing. I would have been livid. And she like Taisha is beautiful. And honestly, like as I was watching that, I was like. She looks fantastic because she just is like a pretty, she has like a pretty face. So I'm like, thank God, because like it, I mean, she, she was fresh out of the water, no hair, no makeup. Let's go girls, throw on your, your button down and we're going to film it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody should have handed her like a ponytail holder or something so she could do a (laughs) quick cute little messy bun. I was really angry about that, but she did really pretty. Um. So what happens after that? So basically they have a group date and Riley tells Spencer like, oh, you cracked my ribs in the pool. And he was like, well, let me know. I can give you some more. <laughs> okay. Like I, <laughs> boy comebacks are like so weird. I can't. So aggressive. So silly. Kenny, the boy band manager, is still really pissed. Him and that thick, long neck of his. He he has such a thick neck. Oh, my God. It's so thick. It's so thick. Basically, Riley and Kenny go back and forth on Spencer. (laughs) Riley calls him baloney and lunch meat. (laughs) And basically, he's like, if you want to fight, I will fight you at any moment. Like, it's nothing to me. (laughs) That was iconic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I like Riley. I, yeah, I, I enjoy Riley. Uh, so throughout the episode, we see Jason, who is struggling. 
Yes. With the fact that Claire is now gone and that he still has these feelings for her until finally he ends up having a conversation with one of the guys who seems to be like the therapist and he really gets no time on screen other than like talking to the other guys about like where they're at emotionally. And Jason finally talks to Tasia and is like, I can't do it. I'm still in love with Claire. Yeah. What did also, you think about it? Also, sir, you're not in love with Claire. Once again, you all have only known her for maybe max five days. Like, this is insane. Um, So, no, that's wrong. You're not in love with her. Um, I honestly, I didn't, like, like him that much. So, I, it wasn't like a, I almost, I respected him for just bowing out. Like, that, like, you know what? He knew what he had to do, and I think it was fine because... If you're not there for Tasha, like, why are you wasting your time at the La Quinta Inn? Like, yeah. <laughs> just sit it. Like, you know. I so I'm 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 glad he did it. It it, it it's better than him just staying there and like a storyline of him just like moping around. Like, I'm glad he just left. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the few guys that actually got a one-on-one date with Claire. It yes. was that like completely emotionally exhausting one where they had to scream at the mountain. Yeah, he- and they had. Did that date, I felt like that date, I was watching it for seven hours. Like, I don't know where it began and where it ended. And I don't know, I don't know, I could not tell you what they talked about. Like, it was just so long and emotional. I was just like, this is heavy. And this is a lot. She set her dress on fire. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Writing things on a a whiteboard. About, like, how he's emotionally unavailable. And that was it. But yeah, I mean, I didn't know where I ended and I began. Like, it was really long and truly very emotionally exhausting. And I've never seen anything like it on TV for a first date. Right. It was too deep too early because, I mean, I guess maybe they knew. They're like, listen, Claire's going to be here for, we have two more days of her. Let's get everything out that we can. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So yeah, he leaves. She even was kind of like, do you really want to, like, fuck up your whole world over a girl who is engaged? (laughs) And you didn't even know her. But, you know, it was a fairly healthy conversation. She's like, no. I'm glad he did. You you know what? He was man enough to be like, listen, uh, this isn't it. Okay. Go ahead. Don't waste, you know, a a room at the La Quinta Inn. (laughs) Um, Gina might need that casita at any given moment. <laughs> uh, so we end the episode on Tasia going on a date with Brendan, who yes. was interesting to me. He seems like he's not for me, and that's okay. Like, I'm not saying he's not cute, but like, I just need a guy, and I'm saying this is a five foot tall woman. <laughs> I just prefer a guy who's like, taller than what he appeared to be like a five six five seven mm-hmm. I like you know great on him yeah. on being short king but like I, I like a guy who weighs more than 140 pounds <laughs> the guy has to weigh more than me and be taller than me he's so tiny yeah I just like, I don't get why you're so into him but like great yeah great I liked him a lot um and I think it's because my, again, the bar was so low because we literally only saw Dale. So when anyone else talked, I was like, oh, thank God you're here. Like, I love you. Because it was, it was just like a change of pace. He um, can form thoughts and yeah. make a complete sentence. And I love that. Right. 
I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Love you. Great. Like him and um, he kind of looks like Dave Franco in a way. Yeah. Who I believe is also very like compact. Uh-huh. Yeah. But him and then the, the Zach guy who kind of looks, they look similar. Yeah. And who threw the, the coin in the fountain. I liked him too. And again, I think I was like, oh, wow, you're just talking like a person and you're not a wet blanket. I enjoy this. Can we talk about her date with Brendan, though, and that yes. horseback ride that they had to do around the property? Doing I, a horseback ride around a La Quinta pool <laughs> is nothing that I ever thought that I would see in my lifetime. And I love I, that they try to play it off as, like, <laughs> like, we all know where you guys are. We all know every single scene for the next six, seven weeks is going to be at the La Quinta Inn, no matter what way you spin it. Like, we know right. just... It's like it's like when the housewives are like, oh well, I planned the trip. Like, no, we know it was we know it was planned by the producers. We know who paid for it. We know that Lisa Rena, you did not pick out the hotel in Rome. Like, it's just like, let's address the elephant in the room. It it, it is what it is. We're at the La Quinta Inn. Just just go in your hang out in your suite. Like that. Like we don't need to pretend like this is something that it's not. <laughs> Like, do we have to have two Appaloosas? Just like, what if the horse pooped in the pool? That would have been. I can't. Can you imagine? And then like Chris Harrison, like pretend like that. I was like, all right, this is too much. When he was like running around the property, like <laughs> with the drinks, I was like, no, it's too much. The 50 yard dash with like the ice cream and the drinks and the uh, like, girl. I think he got on a scooter. I was like, what yeah. in God's name? <laughs> Like, what fresh hell is this poor Chris Harrison, honestly, because he's doing the most work out of anyone on this show. He is, he is, he's got more airtime than half these guys. I mean. <laughs> the literal, he's doing the literal legwork. It was so wacky. And I'm, I'm loving it. Like, they're going to have to, this is like Melrose Place. Like, everything centers around the pool. Why? I'm really interested in seeing what they bring to the table for the rest of the season. Yeah. Do you think if they're extending the season or if she gets like a shorter, if she just has to do the remaining episodes. Ooh. No, I think that I, I feel like that they would give her the same amount of like weeks because okay. watching, I think I watched this one on Hulu or, and I, and it said like episode one. So like oh. they, they, I think they like are just restarting it because it it called that this past Monday or Tuesday it was like episode one again. So I was like, okay, they ha I'm sure that they're giving her the same time, and I'm sure the La Quinta Inn is happy to have the business. So, right. I mean, they could like use they it. gotta <laughs> <laughs> they gotta count re up recomp this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. So I thought this conversation that they had was interesting where Brendan admits like he had been married before and then she admits that she had also been married before yes Love I that. forgot I forgot that she was married before and I knew that because she said it on Colton season and then I completely forgot about it so I kind of love that I love that from them I did too and they really hyped it up to make it seem like this was going to be a really bad thing oh Maybe well you're in for it because let me just preface, they do that every single week. So just buckle up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's because I'm in my thirties. Like I feel like uh, it doesn't, wouldn't surprise me if I had met a dude and he had been married before, especially if it was like 
Brandon's situation where he had married his high school sweetheart and it was like the families loved each other and he just like was going with the flow. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me either. I mean, I think it's, I didn't, I also don't think it's a big deal, but the bat, like they, it's just the editors doing what they do best. I mean, they just, they just make everything seem, they blow everything up. So yes, to us, it's totally normal and it would be a normal conversation. I don't know. That's yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, gosh, do you have any other thoughts about the episode? I mean, it was, I'm glad that we're on this new journey. That's, that's what I have to say. Um, glad that we're on this new journey. I'm excited to see these other men because I really like, like who didn't get the air to like Chasen, Chase, Jason, the, the one with the chapped lips. Mm-hmm. I really like him. Like I'm excited to see and hear about him. So there's yeah. guys that like, I thought I'm like, okay, great. Like, there's going to be some great guys. I love Easy, like all these guys I'm really excited to see, mainly because yeah. I know we're going to see them in Paradise if I hope Paradise happens because that is like I need I need you and I need your commentary on Paradise because it is a mess and it's phenomenal. I'm excited for that. Is that like a in between the Bachelor Bachelorette season yeah. sort of thing? So yeah, normally they'll film it. I mean, if we were in a normal year, they would film it in May, June. And then okay. it would air in August. Um, so, and it's a mess. I mean, honestly, I would say go back and watch the previous ones because it is truly my favorite part of the Bachelor franchise. Okay, love that. I might do that. All right. Well, shit. Thank you so much for talking to me about this. Well, thank you for thank you for having me, and thank you for diving into the Bachelorette this year. I love it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like. Not intimidated, but I feel like, okay, I look at the charts of the TV and film charts and 40 of these podcasts are about the Bachelor, Bachelorette. So I'm like, what really could I add to the experience to people compared to people who are doing this full time? But I'm enjoying it. I love it. And I, and honestly, I love a newcomer's um, opinion. Like I, like everything you tweet is truly like it, it, I love it because it's like you're coming in with fresh eyes and it's the same with I know Danny Danny Pellegrino is watching it for the first time too and like it it just I I love when like a newcomer watches it and dictates their experience because it's truly insane like what you're seeing is insane speaking of Danny Pellegrino he tweeted and he uh informed me of Kenny's nudes have you seen those (gasps) oh no oh I have not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, as I'm literally types into com- computer. Please. Uh, yeah, I would love to know. B-R-B. Yeah. Okay. Please, please let me know, you guys. <laughs> you oh, good. Find- I'm on the sun. <laughs> you can find them for anybody who wants to look at them. They are on a website. I found them. I think it was called like OMG blog or something like that. They're, there's a lot of interesting props. <laughs> I just saw yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Right? What? Okay. First of all, the two stars above <laughs> his V. Oh my God. Wait, he's literally listening to an iPod touch, yeah. smoking a cigarette, and is nude. And the 
iPod Touch is resting on his genitals. Oh, everyone needs to look at this. I There's literally one where he's in the mountains holding a chicken with his dick out. Like, and listen, (laughs) self-expression, I'm all for it because this is the entertainment we get. Oh, there's the chicken one. I'm not okay. (laughs) And I'm going to need everyone to look at this immediately because I am deceased. It's wild, right? Do you see the one where he's got hair? And he's holding, like, a Chinese fan above his head or behind his head. Kenny, wow. Wait, let me see. Oh, wait. Uh, I do not see that one. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, the chicken one is really taking front and center. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, pleasantly surprised. Wow. I mean, now I'm, now I'm really just, <laughs> okay, wait, I'm, oh, I found the website you're talking about. OMG. Yeah. Okay. It's Let me scroll and see if I see the one with the fan. <gasps> oh. oh, oh my God. There it is. Holy. <laughs> with, with those fish, those, um, yeah. with koi, koi pond fish. Koi. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. I can't get over the one with the iPod, like this iPod. Oh God. Okay. Well, God bless and happy Friday. The iPod and the cigarette. He's a leggy man. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he has a nice butt. I will say yeah, that. Sure. I mean, I mean, listen, they're, he's in great shape. He has a lovely body. They're all, they all do. I mean, yeah. He is circumcised, if anybody wants to know. So, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, his penis looks a lot like his neck. <laughs> it's not correct in any of these pictures, but it looks promising. I will say that. It looks promising. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you, Danny Pellegrino. I mean, Jesus. Uh, salute that flag later on uh well again thank you so much tell everybody where they can find you um i am on instagram at christine bianca villa it's spelled exactly how it sounds and then i'm on twitter at x teen with an x and listen my personal branding is chaotic just like claire's love life so i'm all and, over yeah <laughs> i appreciate that thank you so much you have a great day for having me. Bye. Bye.